I'm Carrie, and this is Health Uncovered. Sexual health, are you ready? Have sex with someone you love, because sex is a powerful thing, a really powerful thing. There's no normal age to lose your virginity. People should have the choice to want to wait for someone that they feel a connection to. I know quite a few people that have been in situations where they've ended up doing something that they regret and often they'll feel as if it's their own fault. Hello friends and welcome to Health Uncovered with me, Kel Spellman. In this series of podcasts, we are going to be looking at and discussing some of the issues that affect young people every day. Now over the next 20 minutes on this show, we are talking about sexual health and answering and asking the questions that you want to be asked. To do that, I've enlisted the help of some young people just like you and me and some top health professionals from Norfolk's Children and Young People's Services. First and foremost, let's meet the young people involved in today's chat. To my right, we have... Luke. Next to Luke, we have... Hello, my name's Mardo. And I'm Amy. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Now, before we meet our professionals, we're going to play a little game, just to break the ice, you know? Just get the atmosphere nice and chilled, okay? I have got a list of some weird and wonderful methods of contraception from around the world. All you have to do is tell me if they have genuinely been used in some cultures and countries to prevent pregnancy, or if I'm just completely making it up. Feel ready for that? All right then, here we go. Crocodile dung and honey. So crocodile poo and honey, is that used as a form of so contraception? It's got to be true. <laughs> you saying true, Amy? Nah, nah, nowhere in the world would do that. It wouldn't work, but it probably is somewhere. We got two yeses and a no. I can tell you that that is true. It was used in ancient Egypt to block sperm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. What about wearing weasel testicles? Oh. <laughs> False. I can tell you that that is uh, that is true. They were worn as a piece of jewellery to prevent pregnancy in medieval times. I might get them as a new necklace. Imagine wearing that home. Hi, mum. <laughs> new necklace I bought. Um, okay. Blacksmith water and lead. What do we think? False. Amy's saying false. I'm gonna go false. False. Tell so that one is also true. It was drunk in some parts of Asia and Greece, and it did sort of work as the very toxic concoction would often cause infertility along with a load of other horrible side effects, obviously. I mean, it's lead, so <laughs> don't be putting that in your body, anybody. Uh, and finally, what about a potato? Used as a form of contraception? Yeah. True. Yeah? I'll go with true. I'm going for true? Yes, guys, finishing strong, all right. This is a story of a Colombian woman who was once taken to hospital with a spud that had taken root inside of her because her mother told her it was a great form of contraception. So, like, imagine, like, ringing up the doctor saying, um, basically, um, I need help. Um, yeah, um, I got, I got potato stuck in me. Like, like, how would you say that in, like, casualty, like? Um, I'd love to see the doctor's face when that phone call came in. Okay, so the ice has been well and truly broken. Now, let's meet uh, our professionals. To my left, we have... Catherine, I'm a specialist community public health nurse working in school nursing. I'm Sarah, and I'm also a qualified specialist community public health nurse in school nursing. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being here. The first question, we're going to dive straight into it. It's to you guys. How would you describe your attitude to sex right now, or that of just our generation? Just something casual. For most people our age, I'd say it's not really something to be ashamed of or like embarrassed about. It's just something you do. Mm -hmm. um, I think like people think 
virginity is like a curse and people want to get rid of it it's perfectly fine to like keep it because it's your body it's mm-hmm. you so like yeah with our generation we're kind of like chilled towards it like it's such a normal thing to talk about with your mates like mm. now maybe the older generation were a bit more like it just wasn't something that was talked about I think it's nice to hear that we are talking about sex a lot more than I think we ever did. Do you feel that there is there is a pressure on young people these days to have sex? I mean, you kind of touched upon it be- yeah. before, Amado. Yeah, so de- do you feel they're definitely very... Yeah, I think, I think, say, you're with a group of friends and you haven't lost your virginity, you will think, wait, I'm kind of in the background... If I don't lose it, I'll be out of the group because of blah, blah. Yeah, um, I think people think it's like a disease. You get your virginity once. Like, it's a one-time thing. So, like, it's not a bad thing. So be cool about it. And and be ready when you're ready. When we're we're thinking about having sex, guys, what are the worries young people worry about when, when having sex? I think one of the main things, which I guess you can partially blame on the media and social media and things like that, is appearance. I know one thing that quite a lot of people worry about is like whether they shave down there or not, or do they trim it, or mm-hmm. what do people like, and that can cause quite a bit of anxiety. Yeah. So, but obviously there's also the more health side of it in terms of STIs, things like that. I feel getting pregnant is obviously one of one of the big ones for anyone who's in an active sexual relationship. Absolutely. I mean, that's a life-changing event, isn't it, to, you know, to become pregnant? And then I think the key thing is to make somebody aware that they have got a choice, and it's very important for that young person to be able to think through those choices. So they need to be given time to do that, but also it's quite important that there's not too much delay because certain choices have to be made within a time frame. But I think essentially the first time a young person might come and say, worried I'm pregnant they need to be able to be given that time so they can think through all the options and have a make be able to make a really good informed choice I think our role is to try and really offer practical solutions and just help young people to feel reassured to feel confident you know that there's help there and I think we also one of the first things we always say to young people is that it's confidential so when they come and talk to a health professional it's really key that young people know that because then they can feel safe that they can talk to us about absolutely anything. We're not going to go out of the room and then talk to, you know, their teachers or their, or their family about it, but we will, within our own sort of capacity, support them as much as we can and signpost them then to the right services. Choosing to have sex is a massive choice in itself, if it is for the first time or if it's just with, with any partner along the way. I think I'd be right to say, it, well, of course, it's got to be 100% that person's choice and, and it shouldn't really be swayed in in any other way. What what would you say though, guys, if you feel that maybe one of your friends is kind of being swayed by somebody else's opinion and they're not totally being true to themselves? I would say this, um, have sex with someone you love because sex is a powerful thing, a really powerful thing. So it's not all about, oh yeah, gonna have sex, oh, I'll go up my way. It's not all about that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, just have sex with people you love do agree i think it's like the person's choice this is like pressure to just go out and lose it to anyone like you might have a friend you like went out and just lost it on a night out or whatever but Mm -hmm. um, people should have the choice to want to wait for someone that they feel a connection to there's no normal age to lose your virginity it's just a personal choice what what would you say if someone came to you saying that they're not ready but they're feeling we're gonna do it, and I'm I'm not totally happy with it. But they're kind of down down that path already. Yeah. 
Well, we'd certainly be having the conversation that you've got two people in this relationship and two people have absolutely got to feel comfortable mm -hmm. with the decision that they make. And if there's any hint of doubt, then it is okay to wait. You know, it's about building up those communication skills in young people to actually have that conversation and say, I do really like you and possibly one day, you know, I want to have a sexual relationship with you, but at the moment I don't feel quite ready. Sometimes you have to rehearse it, you know, before you go and have that conversation, yes. you know, but giving them that time to practice and think about it because mm. people will regret. There's a lot of myths out there that everybody's lost their virginity by the time they're 16. You know, that's not necessarily the case. No. You know, there's a lot of myths and actually a lot of people are all talk. Yeah. But that's the message they latch on to. They hear it through social media and, you know, they do get that pressure. I know quite a few people that have been in situations exactly like that where they've ended up doing something they, that they regret and often they'll feel as if it's their own fault when it's really, a lot of the time, it's not. I had a conversation, something similar with a friend recently. We were talking about her and her boyfriend and then she realised the comparison between her old relationship and her new relationship, that if she didn't want to have sex with her old boyfriend, he wasn't too happy about it. But with her new boyfriend, if they're not both happy, they won't do it. She knew that maybe the first one wasn't as good as a relationship. In my old school, a teacher said, if you don't want to have sex, um, if the person accepts you, they respect your decision. Like if you're in a relationship and if you told the person, I'm not ready, can we do it later? If they don't take that, it could be a sign that the person's not right for you. That could also be the turning point to think maybe this relationship isn't as healthy as I thought it should be. I think it does help someone to talk about it and as they talk about it, they often can see for themselves actually what sort of situation they're in and, they, and it helps them come to work out their own solutions. I've talked to young people who perhaps feel they're going to be threatened, you know, their boyfriend's going to dump them if they don't have sex or it's going to put something horrible about them on social media if they don't have sex. So, you know, if someone's doing that to you, that's really not right. Yeah. You know, your relationship isn't a strong, healthy one, is it? It's not honest, it's not based on respect and trust because that person really needs to see it for themselves so they're then strong enough to deal with it. Just one word that I wanted to talk about, which is consent, yeah. um, which I'll be honest with you, only over the last two years has it been a word that I've actually even thought about. Before that, I think I was very naive to not even think about what that is. I mean, what would you say consent is? I mean, it's just being sure that both people are ready and okay for it to go down that route. And it's difficult because some people will say that it doesn't have to be necessarily said, but I think the more important thing is that if it someone says no it's just just to stop mm -hmm. like don't even try and talk them out of it or like if they're not ready then the british government video where they compared consent to a cup of tea if they don't want tea don't give it to them and just ends in a completely hilarious yeah. notion but it has a good point and mm -hmm. it's a good way of kind of simplifying it we all know we, we find ourselves in environments whether it's house parties or once you're 18 you're going out and you're drinking all of a sudden then consent becomes a whole different thing altogether that, that we don't think about. Yeah, you've got to be aware of the situation you're in and be prepared for if someone's had too much to drink or they've fallen asleep but they're not in a position to necessarily consent. They might have said something before they got drunk or fell asleep that led you to believe they were OK with it, but actually they're then in a state 
where they're incapacitated, you can't then go ahead and assume they still feel the same. So I think it's something that's important. It is talked about yeah. and should be talked about more, really, so that I people agree. do think about, think ahead and think about situations they could get in. Because it's not that straightforward, like you say. It mm. can be quite mm. complex and important. I think that analogy of the cup of tea, I've seen that, is quite funny, isn't it? You can't actually force someone to drink a cup of tea. They might have said yes, but actually if you present it to them, then they say, actually, I've changed my mind. You can't literally pour it down no. their throat. So it's just, that analogy is quite a good one. Like you said, if somebody says no, that absolutely means no. But if you force somebody or if you mm. enter in a relationship with somebody who's under the influence of alcohol or drugs, you know, potentially you can find yourself on the wrong side of the law with, you know, a criminal offence that's going to sit with you for yeah. the rest of your life. So, and I think sometimes it's just without wanting to scare people, you know, it's actually make sure that actually your partner has clearly said yes and they were in a position to say yes. I think, um, like, um, we're in a in a world of technology like so um there's like stuff on the internet like other websites i think for young people i think that's a big influence on like sex because people are saying oh yeah that looks sick i want to try it then stuff like that i think that's a big influence in our society right now no you've had a great point here i think we should definitely talk about this because I, I really feel very strongly about this and I don't think we talk about it enough. In a world of social media and Instagrams and Twitter, perfect body images are put online and these ideals and goals, they're not real, they've been edited and they've been filters on it. So I think, you know, that's setting one standard for young people. But the other thing, like you said, is this world of porn, which is, I think, desensitising the younger generation to what sex is and kind of what it is to, to share that experience with someone. Do you think this is one massive problem that our generation faces? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, the body image thing is huge. We're surrounded, aren't we, by images in magazines and everywhere that have all been airbrushed and everything to make them look perfect. You know, we don't live in that world. So that's what they face. But not only are they experiencing these messages when they're with their peers, but when they're at home in the evenings and they're on their phones and their tablets and mm -hmm. all their other medium, you know, the constant messages are coming through about the pressure to engage in relationships, the pressure to be beautiful. You know, it's constantly there. Yeah. So there's no escape now. Do you think your parents or just your adult peers are totally aware of the world that lives online when it comes to these things? Yeah, I think they know. Um, I don't know about your parents, but my parents are very strict on like when you can go, what time you can go. I think it's kind of destroyed a bit of our our society with the porn because literally anyone, like even a four-year-old, could put hot and would pop up loads of like pictures of mm. hot girls and stuff like that. Like they don't have blocks, like... Filters. Or no filters like that. and that I think they have to need to change that. Yeah, I think it is a big problem, and I think I've talked to school teachers who are quite shocked at the amount of porn that yeah, school-aged children are watching. And because it's online, it's very subtle, isn't it? It's very easily accessible. Like yeah. you were saying, Amado, it's very hard for anybody. Sometimes parents can be strict, but it's also hard to completely stop young people accessing that sort of thing if they really want to, or their friends are really pressurising them to look at it or drawing them into it. it it's out there, it's happening, and very accessible, like we've said. How can young people deal with it and also find ways to kind of not let it get to them? And I think for a lot of young people, you know, a lot of it comes back down to their self-esteem and how they feel about themselves and their own body image. Because actually, if you feel really confident and really self-assured, then you're going to be less affected 
by probably some of these images that you see. I think there's possibly an element where these things, images like this, could be quite addictive, that once someone's starting to look at that kind of thing, they get a bit drawn into it more and more and they want to see something more and more. So perhaps talking to that person about, well, actually, is, is it something that they're beginning to lose control with a bit? You know, how are they feeling about that? Are they able to control themselves or... And actually, they're finding it a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Don't go on those sites or have a break from the internet for a while. Yeah. Do something else, perhaps, you know, trying to distraction, do some other things. It's like everything you see on TV, like, it's not real. It's like, for example, you see those burger ads, right? <laughs> let's let's <laughs> see the Big Mac, like, all nice and rounded and everything. But when you go to McDonald's, it doesn't look nothing like that. In real, it looks so different. Yeah, that's a good analogy, I think, the burger one, because it's always really disappointing, isn't it, when you go to McDonald's and (laughs) it's never quite what it looks like (laughs) in the pictures. But I think also it's actually putting that in a context of relationship, isn't it, sex, because actually it's only part of a relationship. There's much more to relationships than sex. It's also about the friendship and the fun and mutual respect and just the other things you do with, together with your partner or other people that yeah. are really important as well. So it's helping perhaps keep it in a context so that it doesn't become the most important thing yeah. in your life. I agree. Do you, do you think enough young people talk to the parents about sex? I know some friends where they talk about it. If it was me, I'd feel really, really uncomfortable. But I know friends who can quite openly speak about their sexual relationships and things like that and be perfectly happy speaking about it and... So I think it really depends on the way it's brought up. Like, in my family, it's something that's never really spoken about. And obviously, you have, like, birds and bees and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> as long as I'm safe and I'm not getting into, like, risky situations, they're fine with me. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's when a, a, perhaps a bit of a problem happens or a bit of a crisis, then <coughs> knowing there's somebody you can talk to and, and parents have been there themselves, they've been through it already, so they are quite good people to go and talk to. Yeah. I think for young people, we always encourage them to think of an older person, an adult they can trust because it's in those moments of crisis or a problem. You need to know who to go to for yeah. the first port of call. We should talk to our kids about sex and stuff. I feel if we don't, it's detrimental because they don't really... Ned- not going to get the information because they're going to be worried about talking to adults because they think it's a taboo subject. So they're not going to go to places like doctors, they're not going to go and talk about sexual health. My parents are quite open about talking about sex. I mean, my mum gives me some, tells me some horrific stories that I really <laughs> don't want to know. Okay. But I kind of feel like I'm more, I know more about it and I could go to them if I need to and talk about it. My, my parents, the other hand, it's like very like, I don't feel comfortable talking to them because, like, it's really hard. I get when people say, like, um, they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents because it feels like they're, like, rebellious. They want to feel rebellious. Mm -hmm. They don't want the parents to know everything about them. Yeah. I said that as you guys could understand. (laughs) No, no, but you're saying you try and be a bit more open rather than keeping things private at times. I feel like it should be the parents' jobs to talk to the children about sex, not the other way around. Mm. Because if they're giving them the information, they're going to think, great, I can talk to you about it or I can go to someone else and I don't have to be embarrassed about the subject because there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's completely normal. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that can make a huge difference in terms of being comfortable talking to parents about things like that is in my situation, I know my parents can't relate because where I'm gay, my parents, obviously, they're not. It sounds silly. I mean, obviously, relationships and things like that, you can get the gist of 
what's healthy, what's not. But in terms of sexually, they've no idea. Did you feel that, maybe not for your parents, but you could then find your help and have the conversations um, that you needed to have? Yeah, I mean, I was quite lucky with my parents. When they were raising me, I was quite free to do what I wanted, so I was able to make quite a lot of friends. And growing up in London, it's quite easy to find other people like myself who you can just talk to. And here at college even, like last year, I ran an LGBT group through the Students' Union, and that was, for quite a lot of people, really quite beneficial, so. I imagine. We kind of touched upon it before, but um, if, if you f a young person finds himself in a situation where they're really not ready to kind of have sex, but, you know, all the circumstances around them are saying it's going to happen, what advice would you give to somebody who's going through that? Well, I think, yeah, I think you would just really support them in saying you do wait till you feel ready, help them perhaps be equipped with things they can think of to say if they're feeling under that pressure, you mm -hmm. know, so that they may feel that people are going to laugh at them or look down on them. But if you help them to think about, well, you know, just say to people, I'm, you know, I'm not ready, it's OK for me just to be myself. And really, I think, giving them that strength and reassurance that they can, you know, stand up for themselves. It may also be that they may not feel quite ready for sex now but actually you do need to think about contraception and possibly signposting them to a local clinic mm -hmm. where they can actually prepare themselves. You know, it's about thinking, preempting. So we would get quite a lot of people talk to us um, who are just interested in knowing more about sex, thinking about having sex or are sexually active. So we very much provide that listening ear and support and advice. For young people, I'm probably Kathy and Sarah would know that um, in Norfolk, Maybe outside of Norfolk as well, there are like organisations like a C card, where you can get free contraception. And it's like go to your local clinic and ask, and see if they do and sign up. Then you can get as much as condoms as you want. One, you would save money. Two, yeah, save yeah. money. Everyone <laughs> wants to save money. And yeah, just have them. And when you're ready, you don't have to say, oh yeah, we don't have no condoms, let's do it anyway. It will be a one-time thing. You know, for people that are listening, are there any other places they can go to find out about any of the things we've spoken about today? Where, where would you kind of direct them to? We have some very good local websites, the websites that host the, the C-card scheme mm. and the chlamydia screening services. So we would signpost locally to those. Mm -hmm. um, and so, NHS choices, yes, but also yeah. there's um, brook.org. Um, it's a good website for young people. Think You Know is another one that's very good. Sexpression. So there's quite a range of good, you know, dry and tested websites out there that young people can look on for information. Thank you so much. That is it for today's Health Uncovered episode. You can find a whole load more information on what we spoke about today and different health issues for young people in the rest of this podcast series. So please make sure you have subscribed. All you need to do is just click that button. You guessed it, that says subscribe. And however you are listening, it will pop up on your device when we release a new episode. Again, thank you so much to these guys for chatting about sexual health. But for now, guys, until the next episode, that was Health uncovered with me, Kel Spelman. This is Health Uncovered with Children and Young People's Health Services, Norfolk. Health Uncovered is recorded with NHS professionals who help young people, like school and public health nurses. To find out how to get confidential support with any health issue, speak to your GP or ask in school.